Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Amen. We'll continue talking a little bit about how faith gives you the edge because we, we need to, uh, really understand what we talk about when we say these things. You know, sometimes statements like that sound a little boastful or arrogant or something like that, but I'm hoping that it merely sounds confident in God because that's part of faith. Part, faith is has an element of confidence to it. There's a confident assurance in faith. And there's a good reason for that. Faith in God is the force that keeps the earth in place, keeps everything in place. God's faith, his power, his confidence that his word works is what keeps everything going. And so when we put our faith in God, we take on his faith. Now, that's something that we really have to understand and accept about faith. If we put our faith in him, then we take on his faith. Excuse me. Faith is just like that. It is transferable. Faith is a spirit that is transferred from person to person. Can say it's contagious because spiritual forces are that way. No, all spiritual forces have the power to be received by others. For instance, <clears throat> if I come in here and I'm afraid of something, if I, out of that spirit of fear, speak it to the right person, I'll convince them to get scared with me. It's the same thing with faith and with confidence. That's how leaders, military leaders, can lead troops into great danger and have them all come out alive. Is because they're that spirit of victory, that confidence that's in their spirit can be transferred over onto that whole body of individuals. It's just like that. And so because our faith... And God carries with it God's confidence in his own word. Then it makes it very powerful. So that when we say our faith gives us the edge, we are really speaking of the fact that God is active in the faith that we have when we put it in him. So really faith is a commodity that you can invest in anything, any person, anything you want to invest it in. That's why you'll see people doing out of a, 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 a convicted heart or a convinced heart, you'll see them doing extremes of things. They'll, they'll act in, they can act in really bizarre extremes because they are following the force of faith that's in them. Their faith can be very powerful. I had a neighbor that used to, I, I mentioned something, it were, there was something on the news or we were just chatting about something. He was a little gentleman. He taught me how to make signs, you know, banner signs. I did calligraphy and I did like 
pen letters and he said he said i want to like why don't i teach you how to make signs one time so we'll go down there and we would make signs and we were talking about something we chat about a lot of little things and i happened to mention or he mentioned something about um the space program and he was he got very angry and he said they didn't send anybody to the moon and the people made that up and he was totally convinced that all these other people, I'm telling you the truth, totally convinced all these other people that said they went to the moon and all these people on the news, they were lying. Because his faith told him that it wasn't possible for people to go up in space. And that's what he believed. In the face of all evidence to the contrary. So you have the ability within you to believe anything you want to believe and you can put your faith in anything you want to put it in. You have that ability. So it's not that hard to conceive that you could believe God for great things because there are people out here believing in themselves and other people for very foolish things. People who talk to these psychics and channeling people and all that kind of stuff are convinced that they are talking to uncle ned and uncle bob and uncle somebody just because these people tell them they have been in touch with these individuals Hmm? and so you have the ability to believe anything you want to believe now if you want the edge and you want to have an advantage in this world with your faith you must put it over in god's word because his word can come in and uproot and supplant anything ever that's said. His word will correct. When God's word comes into a situation, if that word is spoken in faith, that word remains there, it will eventually scatter and uproot anything that is contrary to it. That's why people start to talk. You ever see where Christians will be, they'll be interviewing Christians and a real Christian comes on there and starts to talk about God and about the word of God. Everybody goes to scrambling, talking real fast, trying to change the subject. Well, they're trying to undo what that word has done. That's the, that's the, the world's way of dealing with the power of God's word. They immediately go after that. And what the word says, it says immediately when the word is sown, Satan goes and tries to pull it up and steal it. Well, that's an example of him going immediately when that word is spoken. Anytime it's spoken, it's sown. So anytime the word is spoken anywhere, immediately the devil unleashes his feeble power to try and confuse it, refute it, and choke it off. And if he can get the, 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 the one who spoke the word intimidated, he can choke it off out of the same mouth that spoke it. It'll start to reverse what they said and back down. You've seen that too. You've seen people, they get that reaction to the, to the word of God that, <clears throat> that they don't like. And they, they shy, they, they shrink back. Huh? That's why when you see bold, this is where people say you're mean. You know, this is where you'll get called mean. And if that bothers you, you're in the wrong business. Because this is not a business for nice people. You understand what I'm saying? If you want the label of nice, 
you better go be something else. Be a Buddhist or, you know, somebody who take accepts everybody. But you can't be a Christian and be nice. See, that's an expectation the devil put on us so that you ever see all the pictures of Jesus? And then you you hear people say what he probably looked like in real life. And you see people who have gone to heaven and seen him and his glorified what they say he looks like now. He don't look nothing for real like none of the pictures they show him to look like. He always looks like he's been on a 40-day fast. Or he's sad and suffering and pitiful looking. And oh, woe is me. You know, he looks nothing like that. The Bible said, well, you know, he was a carpenter. Uh, hello, carpenters had to cut down trees. He looked more like a, a football player, what we would call a football player build. And this, you know, they had to cut down big logs, haul them around, cut them down. Carpenters, you didn't go to Home Depot and get it already cut and measure it out and say, can you cut me this much? Oh, you miscut, give me give my money back. They didn't roll like that. You had to go out and find the trees, cut them down. We're talking about cedars. And they didn't have any kind of buzz saws or no electricity. Where are you going to plug it in at if you did have it? Huh? So he looked nothing like the pictures depict him. You see very few pictures of him because we will try to find like when you do, you know, have to look for artwork to compliment flyers and stuff. Very few people uh, have drawn pictures of Jesus healing people, preaching, doing anything other than hanging on the cross and looking sad and like him fasted for 40 days. And so that is the way the world wants to make him appear so that they don't have to respect us. Because when you say you serve God, then they can put some kind of uh uh, image on you or some kind of expectation on you of weakness, stupidity, ignorance. Yeah, that's the other thing they want to say. Well, Christians, uh, they they just don't know much except the Bible. Thank you. Huh? And so these things, we have to understand that these these things have been done to convince us that our faith isn't worth anything convince you that your faith is not powerful when you pray prayers and the devil starts to bug you listen the bible says that god watches over his word to perform it and why is the devil watching over that word too because he wants to try and see if he can talk you out of believing it just like God watches over his word to perform it, the devil wants to watch it too to try and convince you there's something wrong with you and that's not going to come to pass. You didn't do this right. And you don't have enough faith. And you always begging God for stuff. And you don't even do what he tells you to do. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't. No, 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 no. He's watching over God's word trying to help you not receive it. So you got two people watching over that word you pray. And you better know that the enemy is, he's the one who's telling you it's not happening soon enough. Huh? He's the one that's telling you, (laughs) you know, 
you did something wrong. God's never going to do that for you because look at what you do. Hmm? Hmm. You need to say something. Watch this devil. Jesus, I repent. I plead the blood and I am immediately righteous. Get out of here, devil, in Jesus' name. I don't care how long it takes. See, you need to call his blood. It's taking too long. No, it's not. My stuff is on time. But see, we think that thought is coming from us or coming from God. We put, we give legitimacy to it because we don't understand the edge that our faith gives us in the realm of the spirit. You don't understand the edge that you have with your faith. If we knew the edge we had, we quit confessing stupid stuff and only speak the word of God. We be go, we go home, tear the house up looking for the Bible to find more scripture to pray. Hello. Instead of dodging prayer time. Cause we too busy. Well, hopefully everybody's gotten over that devil. Huh? We would, we would be anxious for an opportunity to thank God, to worship God, to pray and to, to release our faith. We'd be anxious for opportunities to release our faith. Hmm? Hebrews eleven seven tells us, and I'm going to read it again from the Amplified. By faith, Noah, prompted by faith. Noah, being forewarned by God concerning events of which as yet there was no visible sign. No visible sign, Gideon. Could you make the fleece wet? Okay, I know it was wet, and I know I told you to make the fleece wet, but this time could you make the fleece dry? And then I know that this is you talking to me, God. He took the movement back. <laughs> you know, he retarded things acting like that. Because Noah was able to do it with no visible sign and still believe God. See, sometimes we have a problem between the visible and the invisible. Like God is trying to get you off of depending on what you see here and because he knows that's a source of most of your trouble. Giving some of us some signs is almost like giving a a drug addict some more drugs. Okay, well, you've been off drugs. Okay, God, I've been believing you with seeing nothing for two weeks. That's like telling a a alcoholic that's been off, uh, hadn't had a drink in two weeks. Well, come on, you've been a good boy. Let me give you some liquor. That puts us right back on. Dependence, Betty Ford. Huh? Why would God start building up your faith in the unseen and then go showing you stuff again? You don't need to see nothing. How many of you are saved and know you're going to heaven when you die? You ever been there? Ever seen it? what you really need when you feel like that is more faith evidence 
you need to go back to the word where you first found that little promise. Well, let me put it this way. If you've been praying, what you prayed for is in the Bible somewhere, even if you've never seen it. So maybe just let this be your first time going in there and seeing something for real. But whatever it is, you need to get in the word even more. When you start whining and crying and asking to see something and give me a confirmation, I need a sign. You know, God knows enough about you on his own without you begging for it to confirm his word to you. In fact, he does it all the time on his own. I hear people say things like this all the time. You know, I was asking God about so-and-so and such-and-such, and when I got to the meeting, so he had already given you enough confirmation. You just whining. Because you want to whine. Huh? And if he showed you what he had in store for you, most of y'all would be dialing 911. Oh, Lord, I just time for hallucinating. I just can't keep my mind together. God just showed up and he just, you know, just to keep you normal. He don't show you much. Huh? First thing we do is go run, tell somebody that don't know God, and then they talk us out of it. So he keeps it in the invisible realm, so you can't mess it up. And the people you want to broadcast it to, they can't mess your mind up about it. And you don't have to go to the hospital with a heart attack, because you got a glimpse of the glory of God, what he has in store for you. So Noah (coughs) was warned By faith, he took heed and diligently and reverently, he did all of this by faith, constructed an ark. What's an ark? Well, most people agree that it had never rained on the earth before that time. So there was no boats around for him to even get an understanding of what they look like. Huh? Because the men, let me tell you what we do when the visible is real involved. We start to compare what God has promised us that's reserved for us in glory with something that is already on this earth. And see, what we're doing is we're comparing the earthly model with the heavenly instead of the reverse. We're supposed to look to the heavenly first and then bring it down into manifestation. Because what your neighbor's got is probably somewhere tampered with, with, with this earth's stuff. What your neighbor has may be second rate compared to what God wants you to have. And what your neighbor has was built out of your neighbor's faith or their lousy credit. Huh? You want what God has for you. You get the pattern from up in heaven of what he has for you. And then by your faith, it's able to manifest in its season down here on earth. Oftentimes when we get anxious, we run off and buy something that's of lesser quality than what we would have if we allowed God to bring what's ordained for us. 
Cause see, the, it, it, let's say for instance you want a car. The dealership doesn't know that you got a heavy foot on the brakes. And to put you some extra strength up in that, that area. Or he don't know, you know, the, the, you know, the, the dealership don't know that you eat in your car half the time and put you some, some vermin proof <laughs> angels in there to keep the rats and roaches. He don't know you don't believe in going through the car wash, even though it don't cost but $2 up here in Detroit. So he give you one of them finishes on there that don't even show no dirt half the time. That's the car you supposed to be driving. You done walked up in the dealership and got something that ain't going to take care of you the way God would make it take care of you. Huh? I went through a season, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm, Basically, I'm a good driver if I focus on it. But I like to take a nap and stuff like that and, you know. <laughs> so I asked the Lord one day for a car. This was years ago. I said, God, give me one of them cars that just about drive themselves. And so I drove Aubrey's car, which I had a little, I had a GM car. We always liked GM cars, but he had a Cadillac. And I liked the way that car, I said, this car just about drive itself. I said, this is my car. Huh? I didn't tell him about it. Well, Barbara, you know. <laughs> so, we had a picture. I sent uh, Nola. I was still praying with Nola. She is my prayer partner at the time. I hadn't even started a ministry here yet. And so, I sent her a picture of the house. And I told her, I said, well, Nola, this is a house we got. And, you know, this is, you know, we're praying and so forth and so on. And, you know, just sent it to her so she'd know. And she saw that uh, our realtor had a car just like Aubrey's. And they were sitting side by side in the driveway. She said, you know what? I thought I'd hang that picture up because I felt y'all should get his and hers Cadillac. I said, that's my car. That's what I'm talking about. That had to be God. That came from heaven. (laughs) you see god can work these things listen when you say cadillac to god that don't mean nothing to him that's a hunk of metal like toyota or anybody else you might mention you know chrysler anybody he don't care nothing about what you call stuff down here his names don't mean he lives under the name that's above every name well you think he's impressed by stuff like what we get impressed by down here he could care less and he could care less what it costs. We get sticker shock. But God could care less what things cost. Trust me. He's got servants down here. He's put tens and twenties of millions of dollars in their hands. And they backslide and go sleep with a man on Saturday nights. Now, if he cared about the value of things, don't you think he would put something cheap in the hands of a person who lives cheap? But see, his name is on those things. He sends those things according to our faith. He is the one that responds to our heart cry and our prayer. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And he has to forgive the backslidden preacher just like he forgives the backslidden sheep. So in God, there's no second rate anything. He don't have no second rate stuff to send none of his kids. I got news for you. He don't have a second-hand store, folks. 
He don't have no goodwill up there. He don't have no recycled, resale, uh, barely worn, whatever they want to call upscale used stuff. He don't have nothing like that. But he will give you the desires of your heart. So Noah built this ark for the deliverance. Your faith is for the deliverance of your family, of your finances. That's what your faith is used for, to deliver these things out of the hands of the enemy and put them in rightful hands, your hands. And by this faith, his faith which relied on God, his faith that was invested in what God told him to come to pass, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief. He made all of those people dead people by continuing to build that ark every day. All he did was went about doing God's will. Now let me tell you a little secret here. You uh, don't have to tell anybody they're going to hell. Just living right sends them. All you got to do is live for God in front of them and they know. See, as long as you're doing it out of devotion and faith to God, God told you, you need to do this. You need to live this way. You need to, you know, uh, let your family see that you're not going to go to these family outings on Saturday and Sunday. And when they tell you stuff like, you mean you can't go, you can't never have no day off. Hath he really said? Remember that conversation? All your little subtle friends that you think love God and they Christians too. Yeah, all my friends is Christians. <laughs> huh? <laughs> we'll see. See, let me tell you how you can really know which ones of your friends are saved. By whether or not they feel like judgment has been passed on them when you just do what you do. I'm not talking about trying to be a Christian or working hard at being a witness. I'm just talking about your normal routine. The stuff you know you have to do just to keep your life barely minimal (laughs) flowing right. You understand what I'm saying? You desperate. You don't dare quit doing it because you don't want your life to fall apart. See, those kinds of things that you do. And see if they feel uncomfortable. Eyes downcast, can't look at you, uh-huh. or the ones that claim they really love you argue with you and try to talk you out of doing it. Pass judgment and sentence. People make statements like, who are you to judge me? You didn't judge nothing. Your faith did that. Just the fact that you're willing to live right before God does all that stuff. Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but I'm telling you one thing, when he would talk to them, they could shake that off. But man, when he went to building that boat, and that boat got serious, and it got some rooms in it, and it got some pitch on the bottom of the floor and he kept building and kept building and kept building. And kept. You just keep doing and keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. And see if they don't get more convicted, more convicted, more convicted, more convicted. 
The devil wants you to stop doing what you're doing so that those people can feel comfortable again in their disobedience and in their sin. But I'm telling you, if year after year people see you keep serving God, they're going to know something's up. They're going to know it's probably serious. And sometimes people have to see a lot of years of you serving God before they even get marginally convinced. So that's why the Bible talks about enduring in your faith. Keep going in your faith. Because the more you do it, the more they feel the other nail is dropped in the coffin on them. They'll start to feel that conviction of God. They'll start to feel the judgment that comes from God. That is God's faith that you're using. That is not your faith. You know your best efforts on your own couldn't make anybody feel convicted of nothing. Huh? You know, the same people you said no to when you were in the world could convince you to come over to their side. Hmm? I'll just go and give me a toke on that. I was going to quit, but I, huh? They didn't convince you already. Take another puff. <laughs> you was going to go straight until you ran into them. Uh, and you wind up drinking, snorting, and smoking with them again. But now that you're in Christ, when you say no, they back up. That no means something, huh? It's never, your no has never affected people the way it does when you're in Christ. So his faith. The faith that upholds the world is the same faith that you speak out of and that you act out of when you obey God. And that faith is what gives you the edge because it is the greatest power in the world. It's the same power that keeps the sun up in the sky every, causes it to come up every morning and causes the moon to go every night is in you working in you when you believe God's word and you live it out. You must have some action mixed in with this for it to be an active and alive faith for it to be real. Other than that, you're just spouting religion to people. But if you're following up on your faith and your faith is leading you into the works that you're doing down here, then your faith is constantly passing judgment on people. Constantly. You don't have to do anything sometimes but show up. And people feel uncomfortable. They've never felt that way before. Because you show up under the unction of God's leading. And that Holy Spirit that's in you lets people know that you're about something different. There's something different going on here. And this is what the devil tries to stop. If he can convince you, don't let the devil catch you doing something wrong. Hmm? But let him catch you repenting. Hmm? The minute condemnation starts to come to you, turn to the Father. God, I'm sorry. I'm feeling condemned here. And I'm just asking you to forgive me and remove condemnation from me. You talk to God about it, folks. Don't try to hide it from him. See, we're so good at putting on air sometimes and trying to hide our wrongdoing. You need to bring it out in the open. Yeah, devil. I sure did do that. Hold on a minute. Let me talk to you in a minute and get before God. And thank you, God, that you have cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Devil, where are you at? Oh, you don't want to be around now, do you? Huh? 
<laughs> now that I'm in my right garb, you don't want to be around. Huh? The priest is in town huh? with his robe of righteousness on. And so you have to, when condemnation comes to you, conviction comes to you, you go to God. Don't try to fix it up in your mind that what you did wasn't so bad or you did it because so-and-so or they made you mad and that's why you cussed everybody out and shot the place up. <laughs> Sitting up in the back of the police car. Now you're on cops. Been witnessing them people at work and they turn on the TV. They say, I knew they wasn't no good. <laughs> now you're sitting up in the backseat of the car on cops. So he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief. That unbelief comes from the world. It is a power that is released in the world. Where they don't want God, they don't believe in God, and they hope nobody else believes in him either. That's why a lot of times you'll see people in the, in the public place get ridiculed. You know, you'll see somebody, an entertainer that, that gets born again and gets serious about it. They make so much fun of these people. Trying to get people to uh, mock them too like they really don't. Well, it's because their statement that I have been born again and I am a Christian now and I love Jesus Christ has passed judgment on the world's unbelief. That spirit of unbelief that doesn't believe God and doesn't want to believe God finds itself under a new kind of pressure. And they've got to respond in some kind of way. So the main way the enemy does is try to discredit the vessel that's carrying the faith. So that's why people pick on you, lie on you. That's why I say this is no business for nice people. Hmm? This is a business for tough people. Because you got to understand that they're after your faith. This is nothing personal. <laughs> like, uh, what's that guy's name? He's my favorite. Oh, shoot. It wasn't, let me think. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. In the Godfather. No, 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 no. What's the guy's name? Uh, Abe Vigoda played that big ugly guy. It wasn't Barzini. It was like, tell, tell Michael, nothing personal. It was only business. Huh? Well, it's only business, okay? When you're a Christian, it's only about business. It's nothing personal against you this is business and the devil means business with you he means to stop you by any means necessary and you let him know you're sensitive about something and he will beat you and whip you with it until you leave this earth so you better toughen up you better make sure you understand the persecution factors involved in everything that happens to you if the devil can keep you wimping and crying and offended about and touchy about everything, he'll run you all over this earth, man. He'll chase you from one job to the next, one marriage to the next, one church to the next. He'll chase you all over everywhere. People pack up and leave cities because they can't get along with anybody and they don't understand what's going on. It's only business. The devil means to take you out of business if he can. So in James, 
The Bible tells us that works must be added to our faith or it's dead. It's by itself. That's one thing Noah did. There were probably a lot of people around that heard that there would be a flood and the earth would be destroyed. And some people might have believed it, but they never got up and did anything about it. There were the people, these are the people that are always sitting on the sidelines saying, I knew so, I knew that was, I knew so, you ever had, well, if you knew it, why don't you get up and do something about it? Because they didn't mix their knowing with faith that would move them to do some works. Whenever God gives us a, a, a mandate or gives us a warning. There's always instruction in that warning for people to avoid destruction. I don't care what he's doing and who he's doing. If he speaks up and tells people, for instance, <clears throat> the way God warned people about Hurricane Katrina was turn on the TV. So he told everybody. No reason those people had to sit there and sit through that flood. Absolutely no reason. They could have left when the warnings first came. But see, this is the way the world's unbelief is. The world's unbelief is designed to kill people and take them to hell. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's what unbelief is for. So so what, what would characteristically happen when they would send these warnings out is half the people would laugh at them. Oh, we've been through this before. Well, I think I'm going to sit this one out. Oh, well, but it's the big one this time. They all say it's the big one this time. Well, I think I'll sit it out anyway. And that's how people get killed. Their faith is not mixed with works. Well, I know it's going to be a storm, but it's not going to touch me. Were you standing on any scripture? You got any protection against this? Hmm? All they've got is their unbelief. And it's the same unbelief that everybody who stays behind has. Hmm? Unbelief, if it does not move you to do something with your faith, it's still dead unbelief. That's what James says here. Without works, faith is dead because it's by itself. In order for your faith to be alive, even if you believe the hurricane warnings, get up and do something about it. That's when God is with you. God spared a lot of people who were on their way out of the city and barely made it out. Why? Because they finally believed the report and got up and did something to show they believed it. Hmm? You do something in the direction of salvation. And that's how God gets with you. But if you're sitting back saying you believe it and you knew it was going to happen and rocking in your rocking chair and then you got to move up to the roof. And then when the water comes up to the roof, you got nowhere to go. Huh? You're going to die with the world's unbelief. Hmm? So God warns people, folks. He warns you and he gives you an opportunity for deliverance. The same thing he did with Noah. And I believe that every day that God extended Noah's service to him building that boat were days of mercy for the people who were watching. But as people watched and didn't do anything, even if they did believe it, and they settled in unbelief, they began to condemn themselves more and more. 
to the day where I believe people were cussing at Noah, throwing rocks at Noah, just like they do us. They'd like to do more, but God won't let them. Huh? He won't let them. Why? He says he'll fight with people who fight with us. Just let him wear them people out. Huh? Let him wear them out. If he gives you a response to give to people, give him that response. Huh? But you don't have to strive and struggle with people and try to make them get saved and all that kind of stuff, honey. God will deal with them. He's already got them under conviction. He already has them convinced that if they don't receive Christ, they are going to hell. People know that already. Just people in the world live every day trying to avoid the harsh reality of it. They don't want to believe that it's true, but it's true anyway. And see, there'll be a lot of people weeping and gnashing teeth. I knew that some told me to believe them Christians, but I kept thinking to myself, see, it's because so-and-so said they don't know what they're talking about and everybody laughed at them, everybody made fun of them. I just thought they didn't really know what they were talking about. But something inside me told me that supposing people are telling the truth. Hmm? And so that's what your faith does. It gives you the edge over the world's unbelief every single time. Now, what what happens when you mix any word of God with faith? Say, for instance, God tells you, you say, God, I want a job that pays this much with these hours doing this. I like to do this. I like this and I like this. And there may be a 12 people on the list for that job. Huh? And it's often true. They never tell you who all is looking for it. Now, let me tell you what a lot of people do, especially in places where, where they have in internal promotions, where they post jobs and They'll try and figure out if they know somebody in that department so they can find out how many other people. See, people are looking for the edge. They're looking for an advantage. They're looking for something to encourage them to pursue this and make sure they know they have a chance for it. You already have an edge. You don't need to call anybody in any department. You don't need to speak to anybody. You don't need to try to find out if you have some special in over the other. Well, how many people are trying to get the job? Oh, wow, six. Mm. I don't even know if I should try. Yes, you should try. Because your faith gives you the edge over anybody's job. You know why? Because you can have God's favor just by believing that he has that laid up for you if you want it. All you have to do is want it. You go in in faith. You go in after having dealt with God on it. Don't go in there in your scared fear and looking for trouble and looking for 15 names. Some people, if they had only one name on there and that was yours, you wouldn't believe it was yours. Huh? Sometimes we just in them kind of moods. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Guess I'll just go and stick my head in a pan of water somewhere and drown myself. Mm -hmm. So we're worse than faithless sometimes. Faithless, depressed. Mm -hmm. I've been trying for so long. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Why don't you let your faith work for you this time? 
So your faith will give you the edge, but you must add works to it. The faith comes first, and then that spirit of faith will tell you what things to do in order to show God your faith, in order to exercise your faith. Now, there are some simple, basic things that everybody knows. Number one, you float a resume. It's so easy now. You don't even have to have a car to get anywhere. You don't even have to have your own computer. You can go to a library and use their stuff and just press send. Boom. And you've got 15 people that have your resume all of a sudden. So God is making it very easy for people of faith to get the advantage. And every, if you believe that your faith gives you the advantage and you have favor, which means you're the favorite candidate everywhere your resume goes, yours will go from the bottom of the list all the way up to the top. Huh? Because people nowadays, listen, people are not impressed with anybody's degrees, paper, or any of that kind of stuff. Can you pass a drug test? That's pretty much. Hmm? And see, you know what insecure Christians will do? Oh, test. I got to study. <laughs> huh? Oh. Hmm? People in the world can't find, when you're deep enough in the world, you can't find enough clean people to go and impersonate you at the interview. You understand what I'm saying? That's their dilemma. Who do I let go in my place so they can pass the drug test for me? But if you can go in there and produce your own sample, that <laughs> itself gives you the edge. My goodness, how much edge do we need in this world? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, you let your brain get all knotted up in fear and when you sit back and think about it and you think to yourself, all the people who are drinking, smoking marijuana, snorting drugs, shooting up, you know, you got to at least be close to the top of the list just in the natural things that would disqualify people. And most people can't stay sober long enough to pass the 30 day or 90 day, whatever. They're going to get found out very soon. So if God can make your name stand out supernaturally to those people and they'll say something like, there was something I saw on your resume. Oh, yeah, it's, it was something about what kind of church is this where you've been working in the office for 10 years? What to, Tell me more about that work that you do. What about this this church that you say that you're 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 on a crew that that does the loading and unloading and transporting of equipment. What? Tell me some more about that. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's why I tell y'all, don't be rushing up there trying to figure out. You discount, totally discount God and everything. Now, see, people who are scared will be scared to put church on their resume. But I put it on there somewhere. You've been working in a church all these years. And been serving God all these years. I don't care what you've been doing. People will ask. I have people right now will will say. I'll tell them. I said don't forget to put down. I know what I do for the church. And they will call. And they'll say. Well they didn't even call some of the people I worked for. No God told them to call me. And you better be accurate. You better hope I'm in a. 
Thank God you don't have a, a pastor that's drinking and in a foul mood. Who you calling about? I know him. <laughs> huh? You understand what I'm saying? God gives you the edge. He has it all sewed up for you. He knows what to tell those people about you and who to have them talk to. But you got to get smart here, folks. You got to see what you do for God as the thing, the determining factor in your life. And, you know, when you're in church, do your job well. This is your first reference here. You can get a good reference from God. You got it made. Huh? So be diligent and be faithful in what you're doing. I'm, I'm telling you, your resume in heaven is what you go by. You don't go by this earthly stuff. Hmm? Most of y'all hoping they don't find out about that last job you had. No way. Well, I know I went off on my supervisor, but <laughs> that next supervisor ain't going to want to see you coming. Huh? So be thankful you have a church reference you can point people to so that you can get a clean recommendation. Listen, I ain't stupid. I figure if you're the worst person in the church, you better than the sinner out there. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell whoever calls me that. Yeah, they do their job. They haven't missed. They've never missed a day that I can recall. You know, I tell them that. Uh, I say, we don't take attendance, but as far as I know, they never miss. They're here all the time. They do their job. They're here when they come in. They work till they leave. Hmm? I can depend on them. Huh? So you tell people the right thing. You know, I know what God wants me to tell them about you. And I'm not interested in your faults and your flaws. You know, those are under the blood. Come on, folks, let's grow up here. You know, saints ain't going to talk about you like that. You better worry about them worldly people, though. But see, if, if you'll make sure that you include what you do for the Lord on your list, too, that'll erase some of them bad recommendations you know you got waiting up there in the wings for you. Hmm? A lot of times you're scared to put those people down because you know you didn't leave there on good terms. You don't want them saying things about you. But God is forgiving. He'll give you another chance. So it's the recommendation of God that you're looking toward. You're looking for his His response about you. So in Second Peter 1, five, he tells us we need to add things to our strength, to our faith. So again, giving yourself the edge. What do you add to your faith? He says the first thing he tells, well, well, in Galatians 5, 6, says faith works by love. So if you're the kind of person, you know, let me tell you what works against most people in the workplace. When you go in there and you're Christian, you manage to antagonize everybody and leave it like that. This is not the persecution of God, folks. 
if they didn't like you because of something you said about God and they still don't like you, there's something wrong. Write that down. Because, see, a lot of times we don't understand. God wants you to have peace everywhere you are. And not looking for trouble all the time out of coworkers. But if people give you a hard time, the first thing you need to tell God is, Father, you know what? I forgive this person. And let me have peace with that individual. You know, I thought I was sharing them with something that was going to help them, something that came from, from your heart. But if they took it the wrong way, Lord, just, you know, forgive me and I'll do whatever you, you tell me to do to make it right with them. Sometimes your best weapon can be asking people at your job to forgive you if you know they're mad with you. You know what? I really didn't mean to offend you when I said that. But you know what? You said you were a Christian. And I was just sharing the word with you. And I'm real sorry if maybe I didn't say it right or it rubbed you the wrong way. But I thought I was sharing with you and you could receive it from me. If it's somebody who's in the world, you know, I'm really sorry. I, I just, you know, that's how I live. I live for God and I'm, I'm used to saying the Bible verses to myself or whatever you need to say. And make peace with people so that the next time God opens a door, he can open that door again for you to speak to that person. And you can develop some kind of relationship, at least where you are a lifeline to them. If you know you're dealing with religious people and they're crazy, leave them alone. You know, if somebody tells you they're already in the church of the firstborn righteous people that the only ones going to heaven, they don't need you. And you need to learn how to pray for an open door to speak to people and not just karate chop the dough in and step on them. Huh? It's called being led. So the Bible says to add to your faith. Huh? And Second Peter 1 5. Talks about God having given us great and precious promises. By those we become partakers of his divine nature. Second Peter one five. And why am I in first Peter? He says, Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. You know how when we get a scripture and start praying it, we think that's all we need to do. Well, I don't know why why I'm waiting so long. Well, keep reading. Huh? You need to add to your faith. What's the first thing? Virtue. You know, the the translation, that, that word virtue really has a Latin root. It's not really a Greek word. The word V-I-R, which Latin, these are pronounced like W's. We're is the word. It means man. So virtue really means manliness. That's why the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's where the confidence, the boldness, it really means to have traits that are common more to men than to women. Huh? Strength is common to men. Hmm? 
a certain a certain degree of of ability to withstand is common to men uh, certain ability to endure so when strength is added to your faith then your faith is able to withstand some rejection some put down some gotta wait for a while kind of stuff when strength is added to your faith it makes your faith come out of you in a fashion that it's hard for the devil to resist it and push it down so you must add virtue to your faith for instance if you say for instance you you pray for something and it doesn't come right away and you start to feel like well what's wrong here what did it no add strength to that hmm? I am strong. There's nothing wrong with my faith. My faith is in God and there's nothing wrong with God. So that's where you need to add strength to your faith and make it stand. It's able to stand, but you're getting weak. Your soul is trying to fizz out on you. And so you make your faith strong by getting up and saying it again. Huh? You have to go toe-to-toe with the devil and let him know that you're not going to back down. So if you add strength, you man up with your faith. Huh? And quit having this wishy-washy, you know, the, the wimpy, worldly picture of Jesus, you know, the little suffering servant. Forget that. Huh? Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. He knew how to put his God on. He knew how to put his man on when he needed to. And that's what we need to do. Don't take no stuff off the devil. Huh? Jesus said, that dude, I saw him fall like lightning out of heaven. What y'all excited about him for? Don't take, don't listen to him. Don't let him tell you all this weaky, wimpy stuff. The next thing he says to add to it is knowledge. In other words, go get you some more word to go with that one scripture you keep trying to whoop everybody with. Huh? Let your heart search for more understanding. So when he says knowledge means to perceive or to understand. You got to understand God and what you're going for. You got to understand the word. Your faith works better if you understand what you're doing. Do a better job all the way around if you understand what you're doing. The next thing he says, temperance or self-control. Your faith won't work if you're upset about things. And you can spout off and say things contrary to the word. It will not work. It won't work. So if you, if you don't add some element of self-restraint, hmm, the Bible says vision causes you to have restraint. If you keep yourself focused on what you're asking God for and where you're going in God, then that discipline, that self-control will cause that thing to come to pass. It can't help but but come to pass because you're working toward it all the time. So whatever the goal is of your job or whatever is keep that focus before you see let me tell you what happens to people they get caught up people get caught up in a social thing very easily hmm? 
That's why they got coffee machines at workplaces to keep you focused on something other than getting that paycheck, doing that job, and getting that paycheck, and going home. Huh? So there's social business in everybody's job all the time. People like the see who the boss comes out and talks to. Huh? And is friendly with. And see, we get intimidated if the boss talks to certain people. We think he likes them better than he likes us. All that old social nonsense. And see, if you don't stay focused on the fact God sent me here, all I have to do is do my job and respect my boss and do what these people tell me to do and I will stay here and collect the paycheck when everybody else is gone. But see, what happens? We get involved in the social. Do they like me? Don't they like me? See, if you don't, listen, when you walk in the room and everybody quits talking, you all say, yes, I'm alive in God. My faith has passed judgment on you sinners sitting up here. You know what you need? I used to look at him. I said to myself, yeah, you better run, devil. Huh? Because I knew what it meant. I went, what did I do? They don't like me. <laughs> Add some strength to your faith. Man up and woman up and be somebody in God. They're not supposed to like you. You ain't nothing to like. Honey, if they don't like that, if when they rub up against you, they feel a rough cross. That's why all your flesh has been nailed to the cross now. And it's one with that rough cross. If they want to rub up against you, they get pricked. Everything splinters. They're supposed to react like that around you. There's a certain amount of respect that comes with Christianity that we don't seek for. We need to seek for people to look to us as their answer. And not want to pick at you all the time. They pick at you because you, they know you go for it. You're weak. So quit being weak. So add some self-control to yourself. Don't let your mind. The first thing you need to control is the way you think about things. Every little thing that comes up, you worried about it and nervous about it and wondering. Quit being nervous, worrying, and wondering. That's a first self-control you need to have. Because if that begins to settle in on your brain, pretty soon you'll start talking what you're thinking that's contrary to God's word. So you need to quit thinking contrary to God's word and quit speaking contrary to God's word. Huh? Once you start speaking contrary to God's word, you lose your faith edge. You lose it. And once you begin to lose your faith edge, then what you are asking God for either won't manifest, you slow the process down of him manifesting what it is you're asking for. So you want to keep that edge. You keep that edge by keeping yourself strong in his word. You must stay strong in God's word. So you add self-control. Control your thoughts. Cast down thoughts that would tell you that God's not going to do it for you. Hmm? You cast them down and throw them down. And then you begin to meditate on God's word that says it will happen. And strengthen yourself there. 
The next thing he tells you to add is patience. So you're seeing all he's telling you is rest in the fruit of God's spirit. Just stay in the spirit. Because the world's unbelief is constantly trying to pull you out of the spirit. So that it can condemn you with the rest of the world. So as long as you stay strong in faith. Page, patience will cause you to endure and endure peacefully until it comes to pass. In fact, patience often will hasten the process. will speed it up. Because patience will add to your peace. He says also to add godliness. What can I do for you, Lord, while I'm waiting? Huh? I've said that so many times in my life. Well, God, I was nervous about it, but I'm just going to leave it with you. But show me what to do for you while I'm waiting. Hmm? You know, I don't have to ask him that so much anymore. Because, you know, after a while, you know, you get in a flow and you understand these things. But that's a good thing to do. Show me, Lord, what to do. While I'm waiting. Kindness. Brotherly kindness. Treat people like fam. Treat them like family. Because we are the family of God. So if you will add that to your faith. That's what I was talking about. People that don't like you in the workplace. You need to end the tension and strife. And begin to work brotherly kindness in there. I told you many times in in serving God, I would make enemies. Everybody does. Now, if you think you don't have any enemies, we need to go to Christianity 001. But if you understand that you do have enemies, you have to find a way to win them over. God says if your ways please him, he will cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. So you have to strengthen your your relationship with God and get his wisdom on how to win people over. You know, preachers have to be especially careful because oftentimes we have to say things in our preaching and under the unction that do rub people the wrong way. And after a while, they think it's coming from you and not coming from God. You know, and preachers have to be careful because if it is coming from you, you have to, my bad, oh God, what day? Hey, I was mad, God. You know, <laughs> whatever. And and work that thing out so that people will see that there's a difference between you, what you have said in the pulpit, directed at their hearts so that they can get free. It's freedom, folks, not condemnation. It's freedom. You want to get free of things that hold you into this earth and hold you into the, the bondage of the flesh. And it's the word, the sword of the word that cuts through that and liberates you from that. And hopefully the vessel lets you know that there are people just like you. You know, the Bible says that the priesthood is taken from amongst people so that we can identify one with another. So that we understand that we go through the same difficulties The same problems that beset your life beset mine. Hmm? 
And so you, you begin to give people to understand that so that you can, can win people over so that they don't think that you're against them for some reason because they have to be corrected by the word of God. And once people are corrected and they're on the right road, then everything's peaceful again. But in that interim working out process, there may be some difficulty and animosity. And so that's when we need wisdom and ask God how to win people over. And brotherly kindness will do that. Brotherly kindness does it. And God puts something in everybody that makes it easy for them to show brotherly kindness to another individual if they will seek for it. If they will seek for it. What what I do to show that may be different from what he's given you. But whatever it is, you make sure that you give it so that people understand your heart and your faith will not be hindered because of strife and tension in your life and difficulties that you can't get over between people. If there are people, if there are relatives in your family that you feel a tension around, you need to get before God and get rid of that because you are their door and their key into the kingdom. They will have problems that only you have the answer to. And if there's tension and strife, you won't be able to get in there and work for God. So your faith works better if there's brotherly kindness in your heart toward everybody. You, You can't have people that you don't like and it goes on and on and you can't work with. That's a very expensive attitude to hold on to. Huh? In marriages, I always tell people, well, I tell you, I said, you know, my husband and I would have our moments. Huh? May he rest in peace. <laughs> but we didn't divorce. It's out of the question. Huh? That, that devil reared up the first seven years of my life because I didn't know God. And I dared him. I said, show up again. I get me a real good scripture and read it. I said, uh oh, devil. Mention divorce against you. I got something for you. <laughs> huh? Crack his head. You understand what I'm saying? You took advantage of me, devil, because I didn't know any better. I know better now. Huh? I know better now. And so you have to make sure that you don't have tension between you. Huh? We would have our ups and downs, but at the end of the night, I'd stick a cold foot over there. And he'd let it stay. You know, sometimes you push the foot over there, push it back. I'd stick that cold foot over there. You know, I had to pick it up and lift it. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was mighty weak about it. Now you do what you got to do. Why? I'm obeying the word. It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So if that's the best you can do to make friends, that's what you do. Huh? I would tell my sister, I'd I'd tell her, I said, well, you got to start confessing you love your husband. And I said, and move your tongue out of the way so you don't bite it and it get the bleeding on you. Huh? I said, do what you got to do. But obey the word the best way you can. Let God know you are acknowledging that you want him in the center of everything and you want the devil out. 
and it gets easier. After a while, you can make up before you say the bad words. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it really does get easier. You catch on, but you let brotherly kindness continue. You don't want to be striving and on the outs with people that God has called you to win over for him. That might happen because they run from you, but don't you be the one who's running them away and refusing to forgive. Huh? You've got to, I mean, you know, in-laws, outlaws, all that stuff. you got to do your best to stay with them and stay close so that they know you care about them above all other things. Because there is a place where the Christian will make the outsider or the unbeliever feel they're being rejected by God. See? And and that's what you don't want because if you're using God's faith to do everything else, then then you become his representative in a very real sense. And in a very real sense, if you are not forgiving and loving and kind and merciful the way the Lord is toward people, they will sense rejection from God through you. So you don't want that. You want people to feel that they can be embraced. And above all, love the last fruit that he says to add to your faith the agape of god is the strongest force in the earth it's stronger than your faith now abideth faith hope and love the greatest of these is love because it covers everything it takes care of everything love will cause you to believe you know uncle bubba the one you don't want, nobody wants him over on Christmas, even on Christmas and Thanksgiving because he comes in drunk and messes up everything. The family member everybody wants to ignore. Agape will cause you to put Uncle Bubba on the top of the list for the invitees to the Christmas party. Knowing that he's going to do something stupid, going to go in the bathroom and overflow everything or come in there drunk cuss everybody out you know what's coming to hey everybody what y'all doing now the room gets silent you know so everybody's scared to get up and they start leaving her looking at the him agape will cause you to put him on the top of the invite list huh god will show you a way to sneak him in and love on him and sneak him out before the party really gets started before dinner really gets rolling huh but the agape of God covers and believes the best about everybody. Doesn't hold people's sins against them anymore. But believes the best for everybody. So when you, that kind of faith, if you will add those things to your faith and strengthen it in such a way that it is resilient and it rebounds against every rejection, every disappointment, Every no answer, every turn down, if you will add to your faith, if you step out in faith and you see you're getting weakened and you say, I got to add something to this, God, I I need to get back out here. What do I need to do instead of wringing your hands and giving up and saying it wasn't God or maybe I was mistaken or maybe I'm not ready for this. You're ready. And if you find you get out there and you don't have enough, go back. You can always get more from God can always strengthen it but your faith will give you the edge amen why don't we stop well father in heaven we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to understand how our faith causes the response that we get in the world sometimes and what we need to do to hold on to it your word tells us to be strong in you 
and in the power of your might. Your might and your power is what keeps us going, keeps us strong and confident in you. Your might and your power that comes through the exercise of our faith. So I thank you, Lord, that your people will go out today and have the edge in this coming week. And we thank you to give them that confidence, God, to go into any door that you open, knowing that they will receive what is on the other side of that door confidently in you. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. If you want prayer.